0: This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net.
1: Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, postgame tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds.
2: Ottawa, let's spend some time in the box on TSN
1: 1200. Recapping yesterday and giving you a head start on today. Miller to Hayskine, Across. Settling. Shot. Score! Mason Marchman. And the stars hit double digits. Penguins had a man in front. Pass deflected away. And now Brock Nelson a
0: breakaway. Nelson in alone on two. He scores! Time
3: winner in the box. Wayman to the corner, but there is dry side for the Oilers back to the blue
1: line. Cece across the nurse. He'll shoot. Scars. Nurse let it go. It looked like it was redirected. Jack Eichel in the slot,
2: drifting, opening up to the middle. He shoots, and it's a loose puck. Pitch in the goal.
1: Alec Martinez dives in to poke it through. Vegas wins 4-3 in overtime. TSN
0: 1200. Chickward to the corner. Quick shot, tipped in front, scores! Pinto gets on his knees, gets back up, buries a loose puck. one nothing, Ottawa. Stutzler to the line and in, gets in. Takes it wide, turns back in front for Holden. Taps it back, scores! Chikrin blows it top shelf, two, nothing Ottawa. Out of the net, Grubauer back along the boards. His pass knocked down. Back in front, Brown with a shot, scores! Brown gets his first as a Senator makes it three, nothing Ottawa. Stutzla his shot, misses. Puck comes free, Uh-oh. and two on one out the center. Get the referee need to create this odd man rush. McCann and Gore. McCann gets a shot away, scores! It goes off Siobhan and in. A short-handed goal that goes off Shabbat makes it a two-goal game Joseph had a chance to get it out here's done with a shot scores redirected in front and now here's Sprung out of the box it creates an odd man rush for the crack and Gore back to Sprung and his shot scores off a tip and in Sogard says it came off a high stick but right now until changed that's a good goal and we're tied at three here's Yanni Gord Holds it in. There's a shot. Scores! Done! With a snipe over the shoulder of Sogard. 4-3 Seattle. To the corner. Tries to clear it. Stutzla knocks it down. Sends it in front. Giroux! Scores! Giroux over the shoulder to tie the game at 4. Sanderson holds it in to the corner to bring it. Sends it in front. Scores! Puck is tipped in front. Well, what a finish for the Ottawa Senators. They blow a 3-0 lead but come back to win this and... A huge bounce back game indeed. Now with AJ Jackubeck, here's Steve Lloyd.
3: Well, we got a lot of ground to cover. There's there's all of that. All those highlights from uh that's you can't understand it. What a massive win. Huge two points for the Sens. Late hour time in Seattle. Come from behind late. How about Claude Cheroux? We'll get into his performance and his game in general. Uh, other talking points obviously off of that and um, we'll look ahead as well because uh, the road trip continues in vancouver against the canucks tomorrow night again on tsn 1200 as we'll uh, tee up our guest list matt Sakaris, our old friend here matt uh, spent many years working here in the nation's capital. This is his hometown, and now for many years, he's been the lower mainland, and he's got his podcast, The and Price these days, and covers all things Vancouver, British Columbia sports, and of course, the Vancouver Canucks. So Matt's going to join us at 11 this morning, and we'll uh, look ahead to the next game for the Sens tomorrow night. Uh, Gord Wilson will be joining us as our Sens and NHL insider. That's going to happen at around 1 o'clock this afternoon. And I- I'm going to let uh, the co-host today talk about our... Our noon guest, I'm looking forward to this. AJ and I have, um, we've, we, we've done some shows, many shows together over the years, but not a lot in recent years. But I do remember um, we had this guest on, and I don't know if you've had him on since, AJ. I'll let you speak to that in just a moment, but uh, we should have a lot of fun at noon. Kenny Walls is producing Double Duty for Kenny today. He's going to be calling 67th hockey on TSN 1200 tonight. We've got a GM firing in the NHL to talk about as well. The busy out-of-town scoreboard last night. There's still things to chew upon with the uh, the Senators' sale. Uh, our national women's soccer team uh, speaking on Parliament Hill yesterday there's that saga that continues we, we got a lot to unpack we're gonna have new orders of the montreal alouettes officially at 11 this morning looks like it's quebec or so uh, let's dive right in shall we it's steve lloyd it's aj jack it's kenny walls and aj good morning how are you and why don't you just kind of dovetail into uh your good morning to one and all here and tell us about our new guest as well
2: yeah good morning steve good morning kenny hello everybody Happy Friday. Looking forward to the weekend and uh as well. Congratulations to Carlton and their women's basketball team yesterday. They're yep. off to the semifinals and big day today. I mean, during the show, right? At eleven o'clock, uh Carlton's gonna play, and at one o'clock, uh Ottawa's gonna play. They're both in Halifax uh on the men's side, so a lot of basketball. It's it is it is March, right? So it's March Madness. Uh, it's Selection Sunday this Sunday. It's it's a great time of year. Junior hockey playoffs going on, and of course, great race in the NHL. But how about the best follow on Twitter? Right, <laughs> like, he is. If I could only follow one account, yeah. If, if somebody said,
3: "Sorry, man, you got you got to quit everybody else." I, this, this is what I'm following because I yeah. sports is supposed to be fun, and he has fun, and it's it's pop culture, it's sports. He makes me laugh every day. So, the one and only say his name because a lot of people wouldn't know well who's that
2: and yeah, then you could say who he is Ricky Cobb uh at super seventy sports if you're on Twitter, uh, you gotta be following super seventy sports he's he's just awesome <laughs> he's so funny, but you go down memory lane with a lot of it and it's not just seventies it's seventies it's eighties it's nineties it's that's just his name right and he he gets annoyed with some people that think he's just about the 70s and, oh, I, love and go, I love when oh. he I love when he claps back on yeah. people for that. It's so funny. <laughs> so Ricky's going to join us. He's got uh, he's got a television show now, which is amazing. But he's always had time for us. We've we've had him on about four or five times. Okay. Yeah. Probably once a year in the last four or five years and uh always great to talk various sports issues with him. Curious to get his take. Like huge baseball fan. He's probably He's probably baseball one and then, you know, loves, loves all sports. But uh, baseball, I think, is his first love and kind of curious to get his take on the pitch clock and kind of where the game is headed versus where it was in, you know, the so-called glory days, right? So look forward to that. Lots yeah. to talk about. You know it's March when there's this much to talk about. Yeah, uh, th-
3: this is uh, one of those evergreen topics every year. So we get to this time of year, and we'll talk about it again in the fall. Which is the best time of year to be a sports fan, <laughs> right? It's see, yeah. we talk about this in the fall. We talk about this this time of year. You know what? They're both great. Yeah, for uh, for for different reasons. And and with Ricky Cobb, um, it, in addition to the obvious, he's just funny in general, and it's a great follow i know that he's uh he's got a soft spot for my expos too he goes out of his way yeah you know with uh, some of his expos tweets as well so uh, we look forward to that coming up here at uh at noon today before we go any further kenny Walls, all uh looking dapper okay i'm sure getting set for a busy weekend of sixty seventh hockey good morning kenny how are
1: you uh, good morning Lloydie. i've got my onesie packed away ready for the bus tonight <laughs> the man from glad yeah But, uh, no, I've got my staycation suit on, and I'm ready to go.
2: Okay, all right. Where do you guys go? Sorry, go on. No, you go ahead. Ask him. I was going to say the same thing. Where do you guys go right after the game? Because it's home game against Mississauga tonight, and then on the road, Niagara and Hamilton on the weekend. So what's the – we used to do, and and Steve would, you know, have experienced this as well, when it was the Friday home game and the Saturday-Sunday on the road back – Certainly in the Brian Kilray days, it was always Belleville. Belleville was the stop. Where are you going to tonight?
1: We're going to Belleville. There you go. Yeah, Belleville. Uh, and then as I look at the itinerary, uh, looks like we go to Hamilton tomorrow. Stop in at the hotel, get a little pregame, uh, maybe a little nap in before heading out to Niagara on Saturday night. So uh, it should be, it, it's a busy weekend. Second last three and three of the year. I'm looking forward to getting all the three and threes done. Yes. It's, uh, I think Ottawa has the most, they typically do because Sault Ste. Marie has the worst travel schedule in the OHL. I think that's hands down, but they don't play any three and threes. Typically when they play at home, they have a Thursday, Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, or they play only two games at home, depending on what the scenario is. And when they go on the road, it's typically not for a three and three. Ottawa's had eight or nine this year, three and threes and I think three or four with travel involved in the three and three, at least three or four. Maybe actually it'll be more because they've had a couple three and threes on the road going down to Saginaw Flint and Sarnia in a three and three. That wasn't a fun one, but it builds character, I suppose. And, character. Yeah. <laughs> it builds ready something. To go. Yeah. I,
2: I can tell you this, and I, I mentioned this within the last week or so on the air. There's a lot of things I miss about calling junior hockey. I can tell you what's absolutely top of the list of what I don't miss. And it's this weekend right here, that home Friday, away Saturday, away Sunday. Like essentially it's a difficult weekend for the players because all you do is eat, sleep, and from your case, eat, sleep, ride the bus, and call games. And for them – Eat, sleep, ride the bus, and play. It's a very difficult Physically weekend. perform. Yeah. yeah. Now go out and play on Sunday. Not There's, the easiest. Yeah, I
3: don't want to, because AJ, you, you, myself, and Kenny have all experiences, but you're kind of, you can say hold my beer with Western road trips when you called Oil Kings games. Like, so I'm not complaining. But I'll just say the worst one for me back in the day uh, with the 67s, We they played the Generals on the Friday night. And it ended up going to overtime. So we got out of there a little bit later than you wanted to, drove straight to Niagara Falls, stayed there, get up in the morning, go play Erie the next the next night, after the Erie game, drive back across the border, go back to Niagara Falls, get up the next morning, go back to Oshawa, play the Generals there at like four. Yeah. <laughs> and then come home. Like, man. Like that that Friday night after like you're working a game, and the players just played a game. All right, on to the bus. Where are we going? We're, we're heading out to Niagara Falls, and uh, it's the 10 o'clock hour as we're starting this journey. And we're going to play Erie tomorrow night. That yeah, so, doesn't sound yeah. too bad, though. Oh, but hey, that, that's... Ken, Kenny was uphill both ways in the yeah, driving I can imagine. And well, and we didn't have Wi-Fi. Okay, well, Wi-Fi didn't exist. Yeah, that would just, be the best. We just part. had the crappy
1: little monitors watching VHS tape movies. Well, last year was the worst one that I had. There was a couple because I was driving on my own because of the COVID regulations. I wasn't allowed on the bus, so I had to drive on my own. There was a, there was a couple. There was a Thursday night in Peterborough, and then the Saturday in Saint Catherine, so in Niagara Falls, and there was a massive snowstorm. And that drive from Peterborough to Niagara took about four or five hours after a game. That sucked. That was awful. The other one was, I think there was a game in either Hamilton or somewhere around the GTA, and then went up to North Bay. And as we were going through Perry Sound, and I was again driving, it was just a white out blizzard. We were going about 20 or 30 kilometers an hour, and that one took forever to get through. And I so much credit to our bus driver, Dan, right now. Last weekend... We had uh, last weekend, the weekend before. It all blends into one. There was, it was last weekend. It was a terrible snowstorm coming home from Kingston. Took about four hours to get home from Kingston because you couldn't see anything. It was just white across the board. And full credit to the bus drivers around junior hockey and in general bus drivers who drive through that and taking care of everybody else. Uh, I don't know how they do it on a lot of nights, but... Me driving after games wasn't a good idea.
2: So now you have a greater appreciation for the legendary Bob Ridley oh, yeah. in Medicine Hat and what he did for, I mean, over 50 years, the Tigers broadcaster, but he drove the bus for about 35 to 40 of those That's years. That's incredible. Yeah, eh? out west as well. <laughs> so, what a legend. hes He's got a million stories. And I, I'll never forget one of the interviews that I did with him because a couple of times a year, right, you get on the road, And you need content, right? So I just go up, talk to Bob Ridley, and he was awesome just to tell stories. And just the smoke coming out of his ears. Because he had missed one game at that point. And this is about 40 years in, like between 07 and 2010. And he started in 1970. And asked him about the the game that he missed. And apparently the boss, it was like 1971. And the boss sent him his wife the boss's wife was involved in this mixed curling event in Saskatchewan and rather than call the tigers game that day he had to go cover this mixed curling event and that was the one game that prevented him from doing every game for 40 years and you can just see the steam coming out of his ears talking about this from You're 1971 poking the bear. oh <laughs> and to him it's like it happened yesterday He's so so angry still when if somebody brings it up good for you did he punch you <laughs> <laughs> no, Rids <Ritz> is great, <laughs> Ritz. and and honestly, like you you talk about holding my beer in the Western Hockey League. I'm telling you, I, I preferred those trips to the uh, the three and three that Kenny and the Sixty Sevens are doing today. Like at least, like you knew, okay, you know what, we're gone for nine or ten days, pack up, but you'd play five or six games in that time. You'd have a little bit of time between. It wasn't, it wasn't eat, a three and three. Eat, sleep, ride the bus. Eat, sleep, ride the yeah. bus. So we did have, I've talked about this before, but we did have the one crazy trip as the curling's on in front of me. It was during the uh, Roar of the Rings, uh, getting ready for 2010. So December 2009, we were kicked out of then the, uh, you know, Northlands Coliseum, Rexall Place, whatever you want to call it. It's being torn down here within the next year or so uh, with the new arena in Edmonton. And so we were kicked out. And we had a trip that was Kamloops. There was Kamloops on the Wednesday, Kelowna on the Friday, Vancouver on the Saturday, then Cranbrook on the Wednesday, Moose Jaw on the Friday, Brandon on the Saturday, and home. (laughs) So we spanned basically all four provinces and didn't do very well. 0 6 on the trip. uh, But I enjoyed it. I had a good time. So there was that. (laughs) All right, well, so we're we're just uh, we're picking on Kenny right now because that's what he's looking forward
3: to. Busy weekend for a good friend, Kenny Walls. Got the uh, the call at home tonight, and then it's uh, that's the start of a three and three, and onto the bus uh, yeah. after the game. But that's a happy yeah. place, Lloydie. It is. That's a good place to be. Home you is a it.
1: happy place. The bus, the rink, they're all happy places. So when I'm not at home, I get to be in another happy place. It's a good time good
3: stuff all right well let's take a break there's our, our opening segment as uh we like to just splinter off in various directions and really not get into anything right but we got a lot to get to so uh, we'll get to the news of the day things from last night things still to happen today uh it's a busy sports friday it's gonna be a lot of fun stick around here on tsn 1200 on in the box aj sitting in we've got code words we've got uh, more senators tickets up for grabs as well we'll take till two. you Kenny's got 67's hockey tonight. We're back in a moment. I'm in the box on
1: TSN 1200.
0: This podcast is brought to you by bodog.net.
1: Don't miss a chance to play at bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds.
3: All right, welcome back to it. 1029 in the box continues. TSN 1200, Steve Lloyd, A.J. Jack, you sitting in today. Kenny Walls producing. I can't believe I'm still going to hit pause on, get some thoughts from you, A.J., on the, on the Sens game last night and how impressive that win was. But there's pretty substantial hockey news coming out of Philadelphia this morning uh, within the last hour. Chuck Fleck, Fletcher is out as general manager after four-plus years on the job. He was hired in December of 2018. Um, They made the playoffs once during that stretch. Some criticism with some signings and trades and drafting decisions that have been made. So they're going in a new direction. And for the interim, uh, it's going to be Danny Breer, somebody from our area, of course. And he's been, uh, you know, learning on the job as an executive uh, with the Flyers. And uh, Danny Breer is going to take over for the rest of the season with the Flyers. So um, just hired torts at the start of this year. What do you make of this move by uh, Philadelphia as uh, Chuck Fletcher is out
2: as general manager? Yeah, I mean, well, you, you mentioned the drafting, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Ron Hextall, right? And, and a couple of big mistakes that they made where, you know, and Bobby Clark admitted this, right? There are a couple of picks. <laughs> Bobby speaks his mind. Yeah. Well, there are a couple <laughs> of picks where he overrided... The scouting staff, and I i know one of them was on, I think it was Travis Sanheim, who's a decent NHL defenseman, but Western Boy and Hextall got excited about him, and the scouting staff apparently wanted Pasternak. And then Haskinen was the other guy they, the year, and I know that was the McCarr draft, but they, they wanted Haskinen, yep. and that was the year they took uh, Nolan Patrick. Like, those are two massive, like, franchise-altering misses, right? Where the general manager, previous one, ended up basically overruling the scouting staff, and, well, the rest is history. Um, It it looked like they were going in the right direction, right? You you think of the COVID year, and remember the playoff format? You had 12 teams in each side, and the top four um, in each conference, uh, while, while there were best of fives going on, five through 12, were playing a three-game round robin to see who was the one seed, and the one seed was the Flyers. And they ended up playing the Habs in, I don't know if you call it round one or round two, but the the conference quarterfinals, and survived them in six games, ended up losing the next round in seven to the Islanders, and they've been really bad ever since. Really bad. And so... Just a free fall. So uh, we've got to change, and uh, we'll see if Danny Breer ends up getting the job full-time. But, yeah, it's surprising to me how much after that season you looked at that team and you looked at some of the young talent they had, and in particular with Carter Hart and Goal, right? When you got a stud netminder, you think you've got it made, and it's just been free fall mode ever since uh, the bubble, where they were the number one seed uh, before eventually losing to the Islanders. So no question, there's a reason why a change was made
3: back in December of 2018. Um, You just outlined some misses from Hextall in in that regime. So I I just kind of went, to be fair to Chuck Fletcher, let's just go what happened since he took over, right, as general manager. Well, there's been four drafts, so let's go through what they did with their first-round picks. In the first one, in 2019, AJ, they took Cam York, one spot ahead of cole caulfield uh, in 2020 they took tyson forrester ridley Gregg was still on the board and greg's dad works for the organization 2021 they traded number 14 overall to buffalo in the wrist line and deal Oof. cutter gochier we don't know yet he was fifth overall in the last draft and then you know some of the moves they they traded for the rights to hayes right after he was dealt to the Jets at the deadline from the Rangers that year. And gave Kevin Hayes, a lot of money and a lot of term. Um, last year, the decision to give multiple picks to bring in Tony D'Angelo. Um, now, for injury purposes, Ryan Ellis did not work out uh, either. And I don't know, That's he seems to be taking a lot of heat ever since this trade deadline when he did not trade James Van Riemsdyk. Like, it's never one thing, A.J., but I I, I wonder if, I'm not going to call it the final straw, but that certainly wasn't a great look, and we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Things fall apart for different reasons. But JVR not moving him where everybody, everybody in the league thought he was gone. It's obvious. You're not going anywhere. He's an expiring contract. Surely you can find a home for him. But if the word is he was tying it to another bigger deal, and maybe he just didn't, the time management got away from him at three o'clock on that Friday. I don't know, but when you when you and that's a tough market, right? With the fans, when when you start going through the checklist of mistakes here, you can totally see why they have decided to make a change. But here's the thing: Danny Briere comes in as the interim GM, and I think Danny Briere he's one of these guys. He's doing it like how Iserman did it, right? Doing it the right way. He's he didn't just retire and just give you a job, right? He's been he's been learning how to be an executive. And so I'm not saying he's not qualified to do this, because if he does get the job, rightly or wrongly, and I heard Simmer and JR touch on this this morning, the Oilers finally made a decision. Listen, we got to stop hiring from our own, from our past. Right? Right or wrong, but the perception, it, and and we got to get it's not working. So they they went out of their way to get outside of themselves and bring in somebody that's got like a couple of times that got nothing to do with us. When's the last time the Flyers did that? Have they ever done that, AJ? When you think about it, in terms of who's heading up hockey operations, like there's always been a, a tie coming back to it at some point. Previously work for them, bring them back, right? Fletcher was a, a bit of a departure, but like, it's 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 usually a little more hardcore than that with the Flyers. So it's been a lot of Clark I don't and know. Holmgren. Yeah, a lot of Clark and Holmgren will run it. Run Hextall comes back. Yeah, to the organization as well. I don't know. I don't think it's it's not fair just to say that, but you know it it's notable, and and this goes back to Ed Snyder took care of his, his own people, he did, and he was so loyal, and and I commend that on a certain level I do, but I'm I just I'm wondering what the what the next true direction of this franchise is going to be now, because that that's a demanding fan base, they're always in go mode, always. When have the Philadelphia
2: Flyers ever been in a full on rebuild? Never. Right? Well, and that's why I think. When you saw that letter with John Tortorella writing it, yeah, it it kind of stuck out because you're right. They've never really gone down that road. I, I think there, there's different moments, right? There's different moments whether it's a bad trade here or something there, but I I think the apathy, right? That's such a passionate sports market, and I think when you start when you've started to kind of bring in apathy. I, I think that's when you start to get concerned. And like I read a story about how concerned people were there Wednesday, March 1st, right? Just over a week ago, nine days ago, they host the New York Rangers. They lose in overtime and the building was full of Ranger fans, which isn't the norm because flyer fans have been so passionate, right? They, they, They sell out all the time, but when all of a sudden you don't have that same demand for tickets, only a couple hours down the road and Rangers fans filled the place like they never filled it before. And I think that was embarrassing to the franchise to have all these Ranger fans going nuts when they wanted overtime in Philadelphia nine days ago. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that sense of apathy, I think that's one of those benchmarks as well where, especially when you're not used to it, right? We're used to seeing that here. It's been part of the furniture since day one, where when the Leafs and the Habs come in, you're getting a lot of Leafs and Hab fans. And a lot of that just has to do with geography and history and how big those fan bases are and everything like that. But when you're not used to it and all of a sudden it happens because your fan base is becoming apathetic, that's going to be a benchmark for the ownership where they're saying this can't happen. Yeah, it's more abnormal for them. And
3: you and I have discussed this, and I've always uh, I've used your analogy, and I always give you credit um, because, to be fair as well, it's not just one thing, but when Leafs or Habs fans show up here, and I know some fans, and I get it, why you're upset if you're a Sens fan, oh, this is embarrassing. It's like, well, you, you got to remember the history of this league and history of hockey in this country, and if you're paying attention, when Montreal or Toronto go out to Western Canada, there's a lot of fans there too. You can hear it. They go to Buffalo, the Leafs. They, it's this is not. It's not a unicorn here that it happens here in Ottawa. But take that and then marry it with what you've brought up many times. If it's baseball, imagine putting a team in Hartford, right, in between somewhere in between Boston
2: and New York. Yeah, the two biggest Red I Sox mean, and Yankees. You, you can you can imagine like, the Dodgers? Right? How do you think that's right? gonna play? Yeah. You can argue the Dodgers or the Cubs, but quite frankly, it's the two biggest brands and fan bases in baseball. Yeah, and imagine putting an expansion team between those two cities within striking distance, right? Well, number one, What's it- <laughs> after every home run, they'd be playing the Brass Bonanza, so there'd be that. <laughs> <laughs> there would be that. There would be that absolutely
3: all right um okay let's finally get to the sense game here we've got so much to get to get to here on the show uh, give give me your thoughts on uh, the quick lead that goes away stuck with it come from behind at the end and at the end of it all no matter how it happened right two points and they apps that was that's a huge huge huge
2: win uh for a team that's hoping to stay in touch here and to really stay in the battle with this playoff race Yeah, those are. there's always games where you think back, if you do make the playoffs or you go on a run, there's games that you remember. It's like, okay, that's going to be one of the signature wins of the season. And if Ottawa does end up making the playoffs, we're going to be looking back at this game as one of the signature wins. And part of it just has to do with the way they won the game, right? The the fact that they blew a 3-0 lead, got down 4-3 in the third, and you're thinking, uh uh-oh. Well, are they even going to get anything out of this game? And it was Claude Giroux, right? It's a total team effort. But, and I love the way, you know, with Chickren in the lineup, they just seem to be getting so much more offense from the back end, which is crucial in today's National Hockey League. But Claude Giroux just took that game over in the third period. I mean, it was a great play by Stutzler to knock down the puck on the giveaway leading to the Giroux goal, but... The work he did on the winner, just incredible stuff. And this guy is just, he's on a mission right now, right? You see it in the Stanley Cup playoffs with veteran guys who are trying to play for a cup and and they just play out of their skin. And look, Claude Giroux, I mean, he's been a real good player in this league for a long time. All-star, captain of a team that went to a Stanley Cup final, played best on best hockey in the World Cup for Canada and all that but he seems like he's absolutely on a mission to not let the Ottawa Senators fail here and took that game over in the third period last night. So, big win. Uh, have to keep it going. Big one tomorrow night in Vancouver, but uh, really important two points, especially with a three-point game involving the Islanders and Penguins. Although I do have one nugget of positivity last night. You know what happened uh, with that three-point game, Lloydy. Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Hmm. Okay, I have okay, you hit me cold with this and I have not looked
3: at stats or is it something to do with uh, the row column? Or it is something like that. It is. Okay. So technically, there,
2: there you go. They went from even though like that is seemingly the worst possible result last night, two points for the Islanders, one for Pittsburgh, they actually went from not controlling their own destiny against the Islanders to controlling their destiny against the Islanders. So if they win, I mean, there's 19 games left. Or is it 18 now? Down to 18? 18 games. 18. So the Islanders have 15. They have 18. If they win their three games at hand, all in regulation, they would then be tied in regulation wins, be tied in regulation and overtime wins. The third tiebreaker is just wins. And Ottawa would have the tiebreak there if they won three in a row. So it's something, right? I, I had to find a little nugget of positivity when it came to that three-point game that the Islanders won, but they're they're hanging in there. They're they're hanging in the race. It was a necessary win. It was a necessary bounce back after uh, they laid the egg against the Chicago Blackhawks, and now they go into Vancouver and play in Vancouver at a time where they've won six of their last nine. Anxious to hear from Matt Sakaris in about 20 minutes here just to see yeah. what's uh, what's working in Vancouver because 6-2-1 and one in their last nine. They've won three straight as well, so this is not going to be an easy game tomorrow night in Vancouver.
3: Rick Tockett had, had some really public tough love. Remember his first, like, yeah. availabilities after games? It's like, whew, if he's saying that to the media, it's worse behind closed doors, right? Like, Rick Tockett has never struck me as a guy that, because some guys will do this, right? There's a, we've seen it. They'll beak off to the media and not be truthful with the players, right, and just let them see it that way. Uh, that's not Rick Tockett. So he, he wanted to put his stamp on things quickly about what the standards are going to be, how he wants his team to play, and you got to give him credit. You know, there, there has been a nice little churn around they're trying to just build towards next season. So you're right, Matt Sakaris will join us coming up in our next segment. I just want to add one more thought on your your thoughts on Giroux as we go to break here. Um. DJ often likes to say Brady drags us into the fight. We're we're Claude Giroux, um, certainly last night, is, is certainly that guy as well. And to your point, it just seems to be and I'm sure this is part of it. He's such a competitive guy. You don't get to his level. But people forget Claude Giroux, the heart of his career. There's a five year stretch. He led the world in points. For five years. Nobody had more points over a five year stretch than Claude Giroux this is back when he's on the cover of the video game like those years like this is one of the best players of the generation and now he's 35 and he's still got quite a bit left in the tank as he's showing but I think that's also at AJ he knows he's 35 this is great he wanted to play in Ottawa his pretty much hometown team right he's been here since he was like 14 but he wants to win yeah and he knows that the sand's going through the hourglass for him and he knows he's got a lot of talent young talent on this team and he doesn't know how many more chances he's going to have to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so let's get one right now. That's awesome for this group that he is so motivated because he knows he's towards the end of his career, and he still can play at a high level. He's 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 squeezing that orange, right? He's getting every ounce out of it, and it's awesome to watch, and, and for sense fans, they certainly hope he, he pulls them all the way to the postseason. That all deal right. is already paid for itself, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just young guys watching him. Day in, day out, his intensity during games, just rubbing off. That's just fantastic signing. You know, breaking news, right? Thanks, Tips. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Sakaris will join us shortly after 11. Ricky Cobb from Super 70 Sports at noon. Gord Wilson coming up at 1. We got a code word next hour. We got, uh, well, Danny Briere's flyers and uh, sends tickets coming up for a March 30th game. We'll have a little trivia later in the show as uh, we continue on in the box on TSN 1200.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net.
1: Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds.
3: All right, 1052. Uh, ten will be a, a shorter segment because we uh, got to make way for Matt Sakaris, So, uh, Talk about the Canucks and big game. They're all big games, right, when you put you for a playoff spot. Uh, Sens of the huge win in Seattle last night. On to Vancouver. On to Cincinnati or Vancouver for the uh, the Sens tomorrow night. And of course, we'll have it on TSN 1200. Uh, Kenny's got uh, 67s hockey on TSN 1200 tonight heading down to the start of his 3-3 three and three weekend, which we covered earlier in the show. So because we're going to be talking to Matt in our next segment, A.J., um, there will be some breaking news during our next segment. The new owners of the Montreal Alouettes will be introduced, and it's been out there. It's going to be Quebec or just Palladol by himself, by the sound of it, um, after the league took over the Alouettes with another interesting offseason. Um, but anyways... Good news that it looks like for now, again, the ownership situation is going to be settled. So what are your thoughts on how this has all played out? And it looks like that um, it's going to be out of the league's hands and back into an actual owner.
2: Yeah, this is great news for the Canadian Football League. Uh, that I, I'm not surprised because there were multiple groups that uh, were local that were interested in buying the Montreal Alouettes uh, when the Wettenhalls handed in the keys to the league. Uh, pre-pandemic and you know from all accounts it was MLSE that spearheaded the drive to give the team to Sid Spiegel who was I think 89 years old at the time and Gary Stern well the problem was Sid Spiegel is 89 years old right and passed away at 91 and his estate wanted nothing to do with it and Gary Stern only owned 25 percent of the team so it wasn't really long term thinking, but it sounded like MLSE wanted an ally in the boardroom, and that's why this move was made. Now it sounds like they're making the move for the better reasons, which was finding local ownership that is all about knowing that market, knowing that province. I mean, I don't did you see the uh, the poll results from Angus Reed, CFL NFL in the last month? Right before the not. Super Bowl. Oh, no. So, yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Okay. But, and I mean, we discussed this. I remember Brad Sinopoli and I were doing the show on the Friday right before the Super Bowl, and and we were talking about just the numbers, and, and it, it had a breakdown of how many people prefer the CFL, the NFL, or both. And no surprise, right? 55-plus in this country preferred the CFL. Um, the other two demographics preferred the nfl and in pretty large numbers 35 to 54 and 18 to 34 now the good news was there wasn't really a drop off 35 to 54 18 to 34 so that was pretty stable so that was the good news but then you went regionally and you saw okay in saskatchewan and manitoba huge numbers preferring the cfl dead last though not Ontario, not Atlantic Canada, not BC, Quebec, by a mile, dead last in terms Ooh. of preferring the CFL to the NFL. It, it was like twenty percent in that province. So, and that that stems that's, from I think a lot more than just the Alouettes being bad for a decade, right? Well, that's that's surprising to me, AJ. I, I, yeah.
3: I'd love to see that poll from 20, 25 years ago, because as you know, and this is why you're bringing it up. I know this. Um, like youth football and football programs in Quebec have been huge for like and strong university programs and and, and all the way down. It's it it's been a hotbed for you know Canadian football and, and developing players and the popularity within the province. So to hear those numbers now uh, with that recent poll. That is uh, that is disturbing because, you know, for years it was a strength, really, of of the Canadian game, of all the great programs, whether it's university or youth or whatever, the province of Quebec. Like, it's, uh, wow. So, but to your point, though, right, it's, we'll have Ricky Cobb, and we'll talk some baseball with him, from Super 70 Sports coming up at uh, noon today. The CFL's got a bit of an MLB problem, right? They, they You've got your, your real hardcore fans are aging out. So, and and you, you laid it out there. It's not it's not awful, right? But it's it's it's
2: got to get to the point where it's got to be better. For sure. And in Quebec, right, to have local ownership from that province. You know, hopefully it's a step in the right direction to, you know, we've seen and it's just one year and they had Nathan Rourke, but you could see the signs even before the first game of the year. What new ownership has done with the BC Lions. It feels like that market is energized, and that's a market where eight to 10,000 people have season tickets to the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks. So hopefully this is going to be a good thing, and I think the bigger news around the CFL, at least for me, is the fact that this Halifax project, which was seemingly dead, is back on, and maybe it doesn't have to be a new $200 million stadium, but a pop-up stadium like they're going to have for touchdown Atlantic. I mean that would be massive for the league to get a 10th team and especially into Atlantic Canada where it can truly feel like a coast-to-coast league. Absolutely. Alright, so that news is going to be breaking
3: well soon, right? Early in the 11 hour. So uh look for Quebec or to uh, take control and purchase the uh the Montreal Alouettes, of course, own Videotron. They own a couple teams in the queue, the Journal de Montreal. You know, this is a Pierre-Carl Pellado, So uh, we'll, we'll revisit this later in the show once everything becomes official. But coming up next, we're going to go west. I'm going to talk to our old friend Matt Sakaris. A little Sens talk, a little Canucks talk. Big game tomorrow night for Ottawa. We'll get into it next on In the Box on TSN 1200.